This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. World Cup gets underway Sunday in Qatar. And breaking news. <laughs> this, uh, this has just been decided. They will not be serving any alcohol during any of the games in any of the stadiums in Qatar. Because that was the last safe haven. You couldn't drink in the streets. There's no restaurants you can drink at, but you could drink at the stadiums, is what they were saying a day ago. You are still going to be able to buy beer in fan zones where a pint will cost close to $20 Canadian. Um, You're limited to four drinks per person. You can also consume alcohol in licensed hotels and restaurants. Oh, okay. But they made the decision today, like today, last night, that they are not going to let people drink in the stadium. Budweiser, who spent $75 million to sponsor the World Cup, $75 million, tweeted out, well, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Uh, are they st- will they still be able to put their signs up? Because obviously they want to be the house beer too, so that they only serve Budweiser products at all the stadiums. Well, you'd think that. Think of all the the product that they have shipped over there. Mm-hmm. And it, you can only it's drink two four. days away. Yeah, it's two days away. They all that beer to be served in those stadiums would be in Qatar. I just don't know why are they drawing the line there. It makes no sense. You can drink at the hotel that. Uh, if you're at the stadium, I, I don't understand why they're drawing the line there. I can't wait to yeah. see how boring soccer fans are, though, dead sober. Because, <laughs> like, that's half the fun, if not 90% of the fun, is drinking and then chanting. You've been to a, a Euro. Yeah. Right? You haven't been to the World Cup. No, I was at Euro Cup uh, 2016, I think. Yeah. And there was a little bit of alcohol consumed by the oh, fans yeah. there, huh? It was the whole point. It was the biggest. Paris? Yeah, oh, big time. The fan zones, yeah. And the beers were, weren't that expensive. They weren't cheap, but they weren't 20 bucks a pint, that's for sure. Well, after you have a couple, you stop caring about how much you're spending, right? We were dressed like Canadian Mounties, so we were hammered, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't go. The Qatari Royals apparently were pressuring the, uh, the tournament to bar alcohol sales from the venues. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you bought tickets over there, uh, Joy, uh, you, you'll definitely remember the experience because you can't drink any alcohol to forget. We met a guy who was going. Remember that, Taz? At yeah. The, at the golf tournament? And uh, I, we warned him, and he still seemed like he was in high spirits and still wanted to go, but I wonder how he's feeling now. I'd probably try to sell mine at this point. Well, this is awkward. Says Budweiser. The good news is here in Canada, if you're watching World Cup, they are going to be serving the alcohol in bars early. So you'll be able to go watch a game at 8 o'clock in the morning and order a beer. In your face, Qatar royal family. (laughs) (laughs) We do things a little different over here in Canada. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. The Sheepdogs, they have been grinding, man. Playing shows all over the world tonight. They are in London, Ontario at London Music Hall. And I am taking my five-year-old son to the concert. He absolutely loves the Sheepdogs. This is the first show he's really been excited about. Uh, So I'm letting him stay up past his bedtime. 
I think that's what he's most excited oh, about. Oh, for sure. I can stay up till 11 o'clock, Daddy? <laughs> wow. But we're asking, will he remember this when he grows up? What is the first concert you remember going to? And we got a ton of calls here to get to. Sonny, how are you, pal? I'm awesome. How are you? Good. What was the first concert you went to? Moved to see George Thorogood. Nice. How old would you have been? Uh, my buddy snuck me in. I was uh, 16. You're 16 years old, so a little older. Your parents didn't yeah. take you to any concerts when you were young? Uh, no, we were from the country, so we didn't do much of that yeah. kind of stuff. Kind of like Jim. One, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. I guess that song wouldn't make much sense if you were five years old. <laughs> yeah. we took our, uh, scotch tape. We, we took our son, he was 11, to see a, his first uh, concert, which was Iron Maiden in Buffalo. <laughs> and, right? How did he turn and out? He listens to when we're on the back of when he's on the back of my Harley. I have, you know, variety of music, and I can see him. I can feel him bebopping. So he listens to my music and Mum's music. But my wife posted the next day, you know, spending time with our kid, took him to his first concert, Iron Maiden, and she got so much backlash. Why would you inflict that? Loud music on kids today, your son. Like that's that's like almost abuse. Oh yeah. Stop. Well, we are bringing the the muffs. We're bringing the headphones tonight for my son. If he needs them, he can wear them. Uh, obviously, I don't want to damage his hearing at a young age. Hey Ryan, what's going on? What's the first concert you remember seeing? Uh, my first concert that I went to was Metallica and Guns N' Roses oh, in '92. How, how old were you? How old were you at I the was time? Twelve. I was twelve years that old. That is an iconic was, time. I bet it, it was pretty epic. But I want to go on to like your son enjoying the Sheepdogs. I don't think Five is too young for a concert. Uh, my daughter is three, and in April we took her to go see the Glorious Sons. She is an avid fan of the Glorious Sons. She loved it, and not only did she see the Glorious Sons. Uh, she ended up meeting Brett, so that was pretty. That was oh, cool. pretty awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah we was, we gave away epic. some Taz and Jim listeners uh, one meet and greets with the with the band. We're going to sound check, so he he's gonna. He, I'm, this kid's spoiled. He's meeting the Sheepdogs as he's well. He's gonna be terrified. Yeah, He'll be yeah, hiding exactly. hiding behind Dad's legs for sure. I, I can tell you though, one of the last concerts I remember, I think it was Mr. Taz was drinking Eddie Vedder wine. Oh yeah, <laughs> Pearl Jam. That would be a That's good right. show to take your kid to. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> we got Sean from the Hammer on the line. Sean, what was the first concert you remember going to see, and how old were you? Oh my goodness! I just want to say that Metallica Guns N' Roses show must have been amazing. Oh At twelve? Well, remember that was back when uh, Axl Rose wasn't going on stage. Like he'd refuse to go on stage until like eleven at night. So imagine how late that kid got to stay up that night. <laughs> it must have been a good one. Well, my first show was uh, was a little bit later in life. I'm a bit younger than the first two callers. Uh, my first show was Slipknot at Arrow Hall. Nice. Uh, I was a scrawny high school kid, and thankfully had a couple of good buddies to uh, to protect me in the pit. But naturally, when I had children, they became major Slipknot fans. And uh, when they were four and six in May of this year, I took them to go and see Slipknot at uh, Budweiser Stage. Uh, little did I know that Cypress Hill was opening for Slipknot that day. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> a little secondhand smoke. Yikes. <laughs> 
<laughs> By the way, great. I was scared of Slipknot when I was 13. I was about to say, if I took my five-year-old to Slipknot, Grayson just started falling asleep by himself, like we don't have to stay with him until he falls asleep in his bedroom anymore. I feel like that would change very quickly if I took him to a Slipknot concert. Oh, yeah, he'd be expecting that Pinocchio <laughs> nose to come in through the door of his bedroom. No! Uh, I'll take him to see Guar instead. How does that sound? And we're talking about what was the first concert you went to? How old were you? What do you remember? Christine, go ahead. You're on with Taz and Jim. Hello. Hey. Uh, my concert was uh, Air Supply back in 70. My mother took me. It was my first concert. But my son, uh, I took him to see Green Day when he was eight. That was an awesome concert. That's cool. They put on a good show, Air Supply. Yeah, yeah. That's when he gave the guitar. Gave the guitar. I'm, I'm, somebody, I, I I'm so lost without you. I knew you were right. Yeah. so, so wrong. <laughs> Uh, uh, but that's my first experience, so it's fun to share. Thanks, Christine. Let's go to Mike. How are you, Mike? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? First concert. Johnny Winter, early 70s, I want to say about 73, Kitchener Auditorium. <laughs> uh, two of my buddies and I in a Chevy Vega drove through one of the worst snowstorms of the decade to get there, and we were not disappointed. Three encores. 30 rows from the front, and I can remember tickets were $7.35. Steal. <laughs> what, what was Johnny Winter's big hit back then? Uh, Boney Maroney was a good one. <laughs> I'm not familiar. I'll have to do a deep dive into some Johnny Winter <laughs> later today. Boney Maroney. Hey, uh, Joffrey, your first concert, how old were you? Uh, I was in grade nine. I won tickets on FM 96 nice. uh, to Sum uh, 41 at the Western Fair. Classic. I think I was at that show. They, uh, they didn't show up the first night. Had to come back the second night. Um, it was great. I think I won them from Chris, the boss's son. That's <laughs> me. That used to be me back in the day. That used to be you. Well, yeah. then, yeah, I won them from you. Oh, amazing. Well, yeah. I'm glad I'm giving my son his first concert experience tonight. And years ago, I gave you, Joffrey, your first concert <laughs> experience. So you're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I love the completely random combos that we're getting in the text line here, like this one. When I was nine, I went and saw The Nylons with Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> That's so 90s. Don't worry, be yeah. happy now. And, and The Nylons were the In the Jungle guys, weren't they? Yeah. Isn't that the, the, like the a- acapella guys? The oh, Nylons. Wow. Hey, it's, uh, it's Steve here, right? Steve, can you hear me? Yeah, Steve, we got you. What was your first concert? How old were you? Okay, like a few of your listeners, my uh, teenage years were in the 70s, and I think I even appreciate it more now. I saw Uriah Heep in Niagara Falls. Not sure if anybody remembers Uriah Heep. Oh, yeah, yeah. the uh, organ. Get the organ going, right? Yeah, lots of of synthesizers, and the show was great. So, fuck for life. I have two sons. They're in their 30s now. But their first shows were when they were six and eight, and it was Rush and, jeez, uh, Darien Lake. Wow. wow. That's cool. Is that Six Flags? Yeah. They, they would have loved that. They got to see a rock and roll show and go on some roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Dad of the year. 
great day. Yeah, the youngest <laughs> one was on my shoulders the whole show. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Here's some audio of a grown man realizing that he has qualified to buy Taylor Swift presale tickets. <laughs> That's his daughter Holy. laughing. Oh, okay, it's his daughter. Okay, his daughter was laughing, but no, that screaming and yelling—that was that was the dad. Yeah, but was he happy that he got them for his daughter? I'm the best dad ever. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because he sounded like a cartoon. One of the three Stooges being tickle tortured with a feather. People love their Taylor Swift, man. There was supposed to be a public on sale for her upcoming The Eras Tour today, but Ticketmaster has had to cancel it, saying that uh, during the pre-sale, uh, the most ever tickets sold for an artist in a single day were sold 2 million tickets, and they have, quote, an insufficient remaining ticket inventory to meet demand. Uh, the chairman of Live Nation saying that they're working to fix the problem but blames Taylor Swift's popularity. The site was supposed to open up for 1.5 million verified Taylor Swift fans in the pre-sale. We had 14 million people hit the site. Holy cow. Including bots, which are not supposed to be there. Taylor's not happy about this. I like how they say it's not their fault. Oh, it's just too many fans. Obviously, like, the way that I understand that pre-sale tickets usually work is there's a chunk of the overall capacity that's up for pre-sale. And when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, and then and then the actual sale comes, and then the general public can buy those. So did they not do a different section for pre-sale? Yeah. It sounds like they overthought or overlooked something. Well, it almost sounds like they don't care as long as the tickets are sold. Why would you care if they're sold during a pre-sale or if they're sold during the 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 on sale to the general public if the tickets are sold especially if you can get some premium pricing going right sure sure some a, what's it called the fluctuating uh, a surge price surge price i don't think that's I, that's the uber version but it's something along those lines um I can't remember, but it's it's essentially the more demand and people who are actively in queue waiting to get the tickets, the higher the ticket sales can go. Right. Ticket prices like, up to like twenty thousand dollars. You're telling me this guy wouldn't pay two grand for a Taylor Swift ticket? That guy's remortgaging his house to see Taylor Swift. Yeah. Wise guy, eh? So they're they're gonna work on the problem. Is mm. anything gonna change? I would doubt it, but <laughs> it's not gonna change until the artists put their foot down. Yeah, like the individual fans have no power. And it's similar to what happened with Blink One Eighty Two, right? Where uh, the guys in Blink they went online, tried to buy tickets to their own show, and they're like, "Yeah, that was really hard." Sorry. Yeah, better luck next time. Yeah, come on. I understand your frustration, but we still want to make millions of dollars, so mm-hmm. nothing is going to change. Well, Taylor Swift, man, she is one of the most popular artists of all time. If anyone can do anything about it to make a change, oh yeah, I'd say Taylor is the person. She's already battled Spotify. She's battled Scooter Braun. 
for by, when he bought all her masters, she She's doesn't go down without a fight. Battled Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. He did her wrong. <laughs> I want to see your peacock. Your peacock. Your peacock. Your peacock. Are you brave enough to let me see your peacock? Sports time. Devin Peacock is here. It is Grey Cup weekend in the CFL. Unfortunately, the Hamilton Tiger Cats will not be in Regina. Well, maybe fortunately for them, because it's going to be a little chilly over there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty chilly. It's in, in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan uh, Rough Riders have a fantastic home uh, field. It's, I think it's a good location for that mosaic field. Uh, but um, I'm curious who like fans in Hamilton in particular would cheer for this game, because... They, uh, the game features the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Toronto Argonauts. Winnipeg beat Hamilton last year, but Toronto is Toronto. So if you're a Ticats yeah. fan, you're just hoping for a good game. You're hoping for walking both around, people to lose. Walk around Tim Horton's uh, field and seeing how many t-shirts said... Argos suck or F the Argos. I think it's the Argos they won't be cheering for. Okay. I didn't see one say suck it, Blue Bombers. I think the uh, Cats fans maybe can just uh, have an early night on Sunday. <laughs> Get a good rest. Yeah. Start the week off right next week. I mean, if you're the Blue Bombers, you're looking for your third straight Grey Cup title. This doesn't happen very often. They're going into the game as the favorites. Uh, one of the interesting uh, subplots to this game is uh, you know their quarterback uh, did not practice earlier this week. He's going to start. He's might be a little bit banged up. So if he's not 100%, does that impact the game at all? Always fun to watch the Great Cup. Uh, NFL football dev, let's quickly get your Peacock P-Lock of the week. I need a good one for my survivor pool. Who is it? Well, we can't talk about the NFL without talking about Buffalo and Cleveland. This game has been moved to Detroit because Buffalo mm. is about to get between three and six feet of snow, and they're supposed to get thunder snow, which is a thunderstorm, but with snow. There was some last night in Ontario. Well, uh, there's going to be a lot in Buffalo, and so so much so, I mean, three to six feet of snow is insane. Who do you think <laughs> Lions fans are going to be cheering for in that game? Uh, Cleveland or Buffalo? I'd, I mean, I, I don't know how anyone could cheer against Buffalo. If they're in your division, you're probably good. In their division. So I've got the Bills left in my survivor pool. Should I pick the Bills? Would, but, would they be the, my best bet? I don't have the Ravens. They, they have the biggest spread this week over the Panthers. Do I go Buffalo Bills? I'm obviously a Bills fan, but even putting that aside, I believe in the Bills. I believe the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. They have lost two games in a row. True Super Bowl contenders do not lose three in a row. They're also now going indoors, so the conditions will be even better for them, be better for Josh Allen. I would bet big on the Bills. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I've got to open my phone up here. I want to see if Twitter's still working. <laughs> I thought last night was it. It wasn't last night it's supposed to be the last night of Twitter. It's, I keep hearing people say that it's it's done, it's over, it's it's going to be nuked, and, and you know Elon Musk is going to throw it down the toilet, but it's still, still going. Hashtag Twitter down was trending last night. Hashtag RIP Twitter. But it looks like, yeah, I'm scrolling through right now. Looks like it's still working. 
How, like he's he's Elon Musk has fired like half the employees I'm hearing. So how is it? What were they doing? Like I know it's it, you know things could slowly fall off a cliff here, but what what were they doing the whole time? Well, he's fired a big chunk of the workforce. He's also um, forced the the people who are staying on board to uh, commit to being hardcore. You have to be hardcore and sign up for long hours at high intensity. And if you can't handle it, leave. Hmm. Seems, uh, doesn't, it seems fair. Doesn't seems, seem fun. Doesn't seem fun. But if you want to attach yourself to the rocket ship that is Elon Musk and his entrepreneurship, it is an opportunity to, to make it. Yeah, well, they're calling the, the acquisition of Twitter... Um, the second worst acquisition of any company ever. <laughs> he paid $44 billion for it. Uh, apparently it's valued around $10 billion to $15 billion. So I, maybe, you know, is Elon Musk playing 3D chess while we're all playing checkers? Possibly. Is there some plan that know. he has for Twitter that we're just not aware of yet? Maybe. But as of right now, it looks like he's just trolling everybody and making bad jokes <laughs> on the app he just bought. I wonder what the long-term plan is because they do say that Twitter will is on the forefront of AI too and just there's so many people interacting that they can use that algorithm to help with AI calculations. So you think is that Maybe. part of the plan? Like Where's the value in it? Like, what's the what value is Elon Musk as a businessman getting out of it right hey, now? Hey, look at the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? They were undefeated until this past Monday night football game when they lost to the Washington Commanders, a mm -hmm. team that they should have beat. Elon Musk has been undefeated with Tesla, with SpaceX, with his solar panels, with, with everything he's been doing, undefeated. Every once in a while, you're going to take an L. <laughs> this could be a $44 billion L. <laughs> I think he took an L with that boring company. Remember when we were all supposed to be driving underground by now? That plan obviously fell through. Oh, yeah, That's the underground really drilling thing, right? I, it's still a company, but it's certainly scaled back, uh, almost unrecognizable. I can't lie. Last night when I saw hashtag RIP Twitter, I got kind of excited. I thought, man, wouldn't it be nice if this thing went down and nothing took its place and we went back to interacting and looking in each other's eyes and experiencing life uh, without a cell phone between us and what's going on. Yeah, but there's still TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I guess. I did take a screenshot of my, uh, my Twitter profile page just in case. As like an archive? That's right. You frame it, hang it up on the wall. Should remember when? You remember Twitter? That was fun. I wish I had a screenshot <laughs> of my MySpace page. On, sure. In all honesty, it'd be funny to look back at. Yeah. What was my song? You know, the, the followers, the blue check mark. Sure, you know, yeah. I, I, I was somebody once before Twitter went away. I used to get likes. <laughs> Why don't you try and find another little jingle there instead of that peacock It's really annoying. And I'm getting sick of listening to it. Get rid of that peacock. You want to see your peacock? Cock, cock. Cocoon. I want to see your peacock. Cock, cock. Your peacock. You want to see your peacock? Cock, cock. I want to see your peacock. Cock, cock. Your peacock. Cock, cock. Your peacock. Cock, cock. Your peacock. I want to see your peacock. Here we go with sports on a Friday. It is Devin Peacock. 
Congratulations to Aaron Judge. He was named uh, league MVP, Dev. Yeah, he had a, a massive season, hit uh, 62 home runs, of course. He did uh, what's uh, the uh, real popular thing these days, which is to bet on yourself, turn down a $200 million contract. He will probably be rewarded with a $300 million uh, contract now that he's uh, had such a season capped with that MVP award. And another guy who's betting on himself is Corey Yeomans, the guy who caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball. He has been offered $3 million for that ball. He was offered $2 million, turned that down. Now someone came back and said $3 million, and he has said no to that. That's a... Pun non- ballsy yeah. <laughs> Pun non- ten. That's a ballsy decision because I don't know what this ball is worth at auction. It's possible he might not get $3 million. Like, does- I feel like you would take that money any day, especially after the $2 million offer, $3 million. You just like one, got one-third more of your money. Oh, invest I mean, it now. We're talking about a home run ball that's 62. It's like it's not the major league record. It's the tying one, right? It's the American League record. Oh, okay. So it's so this is not like you're, you're not. It's not the Barry Bonds, you know, 73 home run ball. It's not breaking Barry Bonds's record. It's I mean, it's a record, but it's not the record. So the fact that he thinks he can get more than three million dollars, I hope he can. I don't know if he will. Mark McGuire's 70th home run ball in 1998 sold for $3.05 million. 1998 was a long time ago, so maybe. I mean, we do have inflation right now. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that ball is number 70. Barry Bonds is number 73. This ball is number 62. But what's uh, a difference between Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and apparently Aaron Judge? Well, well, I mean, steroids. It'd be steroids. However, I would still argue that those balls are still like historic balls, whether there were steroids involved They're or not. They're more famous now. They're more famous, but also those records still stand in in Major League Baseball. So like the, the, the steroids almost add to the historic nature of it all because it's an even more special ball. So for me to think you can get as much, I know, I mean, uh, 20 years has passed or more than 20 years. The fact that you can think you can get more than $3 million to me is kind of risky. I would have taken In- the inevitably million. he will though. Like if you hang on to it long enough, you will eventually get more than three million. Um, like Unless the years sun now. explodes. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I would rather take that money now and live my life, forget about the ball, and just because that three million dollars you didn't have it six months ago, live it up, buddy. The guy's an investment banker. I have a feeling he already has money. <laughs> I hope it was when he was a custodian. Yeah. If it was us, obviously we'd take the money. We don't have any. <laughs> I just want to shake Aaron's hand. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Heading into World Cup this weekend. Starts on Sunday in Qatar. And joining us... Jim, good buddy of yours. Mm-hmm. Martin Butler, you played soccer with the guy. Yeah, absolute legend from the Stratford area. Does this pool every time a uh, international tournament comes around in the soccer world. Money goes to charity, and he's a knowledgeable fella. Butler, welcome to the show. How's the uh, the World Cup pool looking? The pool is ready to go. Uh, entries are flying in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all ready to go. Doing it again for Children's Health Foundation in London, so... Um, that keeps uh, that keeps me interested. Uh, one single and get knocked out. 
So how excited are you for this World Cup? I mean, there's been some controversy with where it is. Also, when it is, is a little different than usual. When, when it is makes it really strange for me. You know, Christmas World Cup, it, it, it's odd. You know, all the, all the professional leagues have shut down for the winter and uh, now we're having a Christmas World Cup. As, as far as Qatar's concerned, you know, FIFA, FIFA's FIFA. There'll always be, there'll always be bungs on the side. You know, the fact that it was in Russia, now it's in Qatar. Um, you know, it's not a footballing country. They've built, I think, seven new stadiums solely for the purpose of this. But, you know, politics aside, I like looking at the football. I don't think professional football should be a, a really a vehicle for uh, political protests. You know, mm-hmm. undoubtedly, there's going to be a lot. Um, at late, the latest one they're talking about is the England-Iran game. There's going to be another protest game, so we'll see. Hmm. I, I, looking ahead, I was wondering, when will it wrap up? When will the finals be? Will it be around Christmas? Well, December 18th is when the final Pretty match Pretty darn close. Happen. Yeah, December 18th. So, yeah, so, so um, who are the favorites here this year, Butler? I mean, Argentina, are they the top team that everybody thinks is going to take the World Cup this year? Messi hasn't won a World Cup. Neither has Ronaldo, two best players in the world. I still think everybody says Brazil. Like, if you look at odds, I'm not a betting man, but the odds are I think Brazil have got the best odds, as always. But I still don't see them. I still don't see them doing it. You know, man for man, they're better than anybody else in the tournament. But it's whether they can put it together. Personally, I think Argentina are my particular favourites. Um, their goalkeeper is uh, one of our own. He plays for Aston Villa in uh, in England. Uh, Emi Martinez. He's had a brilliant uh, qualifying tournament. I, I think there's other players than Messi. It would be nice to see him. Well, it would be nice to see him win it. Ronaldo. I don't think Portugal have that chance. But I think Ronaldo's a whole different. Um, story going on right now with him. I don't know how much that's going to be a distraction for Portugal. Will Canada get out of the first round, Butler, and do you think it's just a a pipe dream to think they have a chance to win the tournament? Well, Canada's my adopted country. Um, I think uh, John Herdman's done a terrific job with that uh, with that team after you know after co- you know coaching the ladies to success. I honestly think they can get out of that group. I think they can beat Morocco. I think they can at least get a point from Croatia. Croatia are and an older team, maybe uh, a tie. Yeah. You know, they were finalists last time. But I think we could, you know, I think we could um, squeeze a draw out of that. I think the key is don't get thumped by P- Belgium. Uh, I think the Belgians are too nice to actually thump us. But uh, I think you know, keep it to three or less, and uh, try and squeeze a draw out of Croatia, beat Morocco, and then hopefully Belgium battle the other two. If you're not a big soccer fan in these tournaments, the goal differential does count. So getting smashed, yeah, yeah. yeah can if it, you know you're tied in points, could really set you back. Final takeaways. What do you expect? Is it going to be a gong show? I mean, are we going to see viral videos of people living in terrible squalor? <laughs> like the fans. You've seen the fan zones, I'm sure. They're, they're, they're shipping containers. It's looking crazy over there. <laughs> I'm not sure. what. To, I honestly don't know what to expect from this tournament. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, again, from the footballing aspect. I think it will be a spectacle. You know, political stage. Uh, I'm not really interested in it. You know, there's going to be lots of varying opinion on that. I'm just hoping it's a good footballing spectacle, to be honest. I, I, I think it will be. I think... It's going to be a team that can withstand the heat. Uh, that's going to win it. I, you know, I, I think Argentina, Brazil. I still, Argentina are my personal favourites. I think Spain may have a chance. You know, that being able to play in hot climates, dark horses. I think the Welsh are going to challenge. In England's group, I think they may go on and spoil the party for some of the bigger teams. Hmm. Well, Butler, we hope uh, your pool does well for the Children's Health Foundation in London. Kudos to you for doing that again this year. And enjoy some World Cup football this Sunday. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Atari 
is turning 50 this month, Jim. Right on. The video game company. What was the first Atari game? I, a Pong, I think. You got it. Yeah. Good old-fashioned Pong. Love Pong. I never had the Atari console, but I did have an Atari computer that had a bunch of like games on the floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. King's Quest, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> All those classic ones, awesome possum, great times. <laughs> Leisure suit, Larry. Remember, you had to answer trivia questions to prove that you were old enough to play the game. Yeah, yeah. It was like who, who what actor played the six million dollar man or something like yeah. that. Only an old guy would know or something. I, I'd always just type in Joe Namath, hoping it was the answer. <laughs> Uh, Joe Namath. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Atari's fifty. Um, they have a, a new collection that has come out. It's called Atari 50, the anniversary celebration, and it features every single Atari game on every Atari console ever made. And it's worked in there with some interviews and, uh, and stories about the company through the years. Here's a little sample. Made video games a worldwide phenomenon that changed the world, literally changed the world. Hello, y'all. All this inspiration that came from Atari gets to come full circle and see it through this lens. Just looking at some of the graphics here. Uh, by today's standards, not great. Retro gaming has become a big thing, right? Oh, yeah, I'm right into it. Are you, what's a, what are you retro gaming with? PS1 and PS2. Yeah, those are the games you grew up with. So yeah. if you grew up in the 80s, I guess the Atari 50 collection would be for you. Yeah, for sure. They, I think they're still kind of fun to play because they're so fundamental. Yeah. Like the graphics are obviously terrible, but they're so simple. Rudimentary. Yeah, rudimentary is the word I'm looking for. That you can, you can still enjoy them. Yeah, but a lot of times I think I want a retro game, and then I start playing it. I'm like, this game kind of sucks now. Case in point, if you ever try to go back and play GoldenEye on N64, boy. It's, it was a lot more fun when you were a kid. The controls are off. It's not that good. Re realistically, it's not that good. And I'm sure, like, Joust, <laughs> you know, and those games aren't that great either. <laughs> yeah, it takes you back to a time. But Pong. Pong is fun. Pong still works. My dad brought home a, uh, a Pong. It wasn't the Atari console. It was just a Pong um, kind of board where you had uh, two knobs on it, and you hooked it into the TV, and you turn one knob to make one of the things go, hmm. and the other. And the only game you could play on it was Pong. Yeah, yeah. But on a little black and white TV in the basement, I sat there for hours oh, just totally. spinning that knob. Yeah, yeah. And then we finally got an Atari, and it was a game changer. Mm -hmm. Riding your BMX around the neighborhood, and <laughs> you'd see a random kid on, on the front lawn, you'd say, hey, do you have Atari? What games do you have? You want to trade? You want to come over? Mm -hmm. Can I borrow this? You know, that's how you made friends back in the day. Totally. Hanging out, playing Atari games. Okay, maybe I will give this Atari 50 <laughs> thing a shot. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast.